Paratooth Radio is a proud member of Evergreen Podcasts on KillerPodcast.com. This week's episode is brought to you by Grasshopper.com. Save $50 on your order at www.TryGrasshopper.com forward slash Paratruth. Christian and non-Christian paranormal investigators. They have two different views. And it seems as if neither of them can ever agree on anything. So what happens when a mainstream view of the paranormal crosses paths with the Christian view? Welcome to a brand new season, season four of Paratruth Radio, and a brand new episode as well. My name is Justin. And I'm Eric. And we are so excited to start off this season that we're entitling the Paracode Angels and Demons. This is going to be a series in the season four uh, that we are doing. So it's something that we're trying out. So I hope everybody had a great Christmas and New Year's season. I hope everybody is sticking to their New Year's resolutions. And I hope everybody is super stoked and excited for new episodes of Paratruth Radio. We are so excited for it. Um, one thing I wanted to get right off the my chest right off the bat is we do have a Patreon account now. Uh, once again, and we want everybody to at least go check it out. We've got some great tiers going on there. Uh, one of which is, uh, we now have a sister podcast, a true crime podcast called Crime Crack. And the only way you're able to get that is through the Patreon account by donating at least a dollar. Um, and you can also join us on our Discord server, join us on appear.in. Uh, all the way up to getting free Paris Wag as well as joining us on an episode of Paratruth Radio once a month. But you have to get on there and at least look at the stuff to find out if you'd be interested in donating. So are you super excited and stoked, my co-host, friend, brother? Yeah, I'm excited. You know, we've been talking about jumping into these new seasons and uh starting to really focus on series. And in, the, in this case, this month or month, this season, we decided to do Angels and Demons. Uh, and I know we've been talking about other series in the future regarding religions of the world and, you know, different texts and stuff like that. Uh, but this is a great way to kick it off. I'm really excited because we've been focusing on this for a couple of months now, trying to get it all together and figure it out. So it's time, man. Let's do this. <laughs> all right. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, for those of you listening at paratruthradio.com, Paranormal UK Radio Network, TMV Cafe, and Fringe Radio Network, let's get ready to expose some lies. Now, the legends of angels and demons exist within the tales of numerous cultures and religions throughout the earth. Each story carrying horrific accounts passed down from person to person. The question is, are these accounts legitimate or simply stories? And just how do these supernatural entities differ from culture 
to culture. So everybody knows that angels and demons are in the Bible. Most of our listeners, especially our Christian listeners, have read the Bible, know that there's mention of angels and demons. But a lot of other cultures and religions go into angels and demons. Some of the stuff I came across has to do with uh, Islam. There's mention of angel and demon-like beings, not necessarily named those specific names in Hinduism and Buddhism. So you would come across some history and uh, mythology in Assyrian and Babylonian culture with angels and demons. So I want you to give uh, us the account of that because that kind of predates some of the other stuff. Right, yeah. Uh, so, you know, virtually all cultures have belief in a both a good and evil spirits, you know, mm-hmm. at some point or another in their time. Uh, and in particular, some of these beliefs date back to the Babylonians and the Assyrian religions, uh, which actually predate Judaism. Now, there are generally two types of evil spirits within the Babylonian and Assyrian uh, faiths, and that is departed human spirits and non-human spirits. I'm going to go ahead and break those two down just a little bit here, because depending on how you look at it, it's really interesting when you when you compare some of these descriptions to biblical, uh, that is uh, Hebrew mm-hmm. uh, or Judaism, you know, the, 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 the Hebrew Bible. So here we have departed human spirits. They're basically, we all know what they are, the spirits of humans that died uh, that were believed to haunt the living. Now, these spirits could be either friendly or hostile, depending on the nature of their death or burial, and whether they return to haunt friends or strangers really depends on how they died. Uh, in some cases, a spirit of a friend or a loved one could turn hostile after death. We've seen this in actually a number of different movies and TV shows uh, over the last several years, where we see a spirit who's been basically unrestful, after the de- their death and basically go mad after so many years of people not being able to contact them and vice versa. Uh, and, but in some cases, they could also be friendly at points to some people, but then hostile towards other with no real rhyme or reason whatsoever. And that kind of goes into this whole – uh, that's another thing actually which is interesting because we see that a lot with people who move into new homes. Mm-hmm. You know, there might be a friendly haunting and everybody's like – Dealing with it, no big deal. But then they sell the house. Somebody comes in, starts removing stuff and repairing things, and boom! Now you got a poltergeist going on, and no one really knows why or understands how that works or why that works that way. But nonetheless, in Babylonian and Assyrian demonology, that's pretty much what the human spirits are, according to them. Now there are also non-human spirits, which, aside from human spirits, tend to be pretty hostile. Uh, many cultures believed in spirits that had never been human whatsoever. Uh, we see that here in the Babylonians, here with the Assyrians, we see it with the Hebrews, we've also got it uh, a little bit in some of the Buddhist belief system, and of course Islam, and et cetera, et cetera, you know, those different places. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, these spirits, being non-human, can also be friendly or hostile, depending on what your belief is. If we're talking about angels, we're talking about demons, we're talking about something in between. Uh, there are some beliefs that there are demonic entities that can also be good, which is a little ironic if you ask me. But nonetheless, according to some of these tales, there are demons that are good. Now, in many cultures, they took the form of animals. And this is 
kind of what goes along with Isaiah 34:14, which is something we'll talk about later on. But they took the form of animals such as reptiles, serpents, antelopes, gazelles, uh, crocodiles, lizards, hawks, even jackals. Uh, it, I mean, you name it. There, there are a number of different creatures, black cats, tigers, lions, you know, there's a ton of different creatures that these demonic entities and even angelic ones are supposedly capable of taking form as. Uh, there are also, of course, other examples such as the serpent devil of Egypt and, of course, according to some belief, the Hebrew beasts of Leviathan and Behemoth, which is something that I think Justin and I will get into later, possibly today, maybe tomorrow I'm not, or next week. I mean, I'm, I'm not exactly sure yet, uh, but I have my own views on that as well regarding Leviathan and Behemoth. Um, but nonetheless, very interesting creatures. And of course, the idea of non, both human and non-human spirits are very interesting in Babylonian culture. That's, it's just interesting because Babylon is mentioned in the Bible as well. So some of the stuff that was a part of their culture in a sense is in the Bible, but at the same time, it's, it's, I guess you could say frowned upon because of what God's word says. Don't, uh, worship false idols. Don't worship multiple gods, that sort of a thing. So it's interesting that even though they were going against the word of, of the Christian God, they still believed in these evil and good. Uh, well, yeah, the Babylonians are very, I mean, they were definitely, uh, idol worshipers. They always turned to their gold. They always turned to these other, uh, spiritual entities that they claim would give them healing or give them prosperity and this and that. But these things are all things that God definitely speaks against not to follow false idols, not to worship your gold, not to worship the wooden sculptures and statues that you have, uh, but to only turn your attention to the Lord God, plain and simple. Uh, and Babylonia really didn't do that. The Babylonians were very much independent. Uh, they did things the way they wanted to. They did a lot of blood sacrifices. They would kill humans uh, for their sacrifices, things that God is very, very clearly from the beginning of the Bible states is wrong. He never wanted anybody, any human sacrifice. And I know people will argue that and say, oh, but do you remember when God commanded Abraham to sacrifice his son Isaac? And that's not really, that doesn't really work. That's not a good argument because even though he did do that, he stopped Abraham before he dropped the knife into Isaac's chest. And the idea there was to just see whether or not Abraham truly had the faith and would truly honor God's word and do as he commanded. And we could see clearly in that passage alone that God never would have allowed Isaac to be killed. Simple as that. And I think it's fair to say, seeing how God resurrects the dead, if for some reason Abraham wasn't fast enough to stop, he would have just resurrected Isaac anyway. Now, of course, interestingly, it created a quite a bit of tension between Isaac and Abraham uh, and kind of disrupted the relationship a little bit, which makes sense. Yeah. You know, your father almost kills you. Uh, you don't quite understand why, but nonetheless – um, but, you know, one thing I want to mention here with with these Babylonian and Assyrian demons, um, 
According to Morris Jostro's religion of Babylonia and Assyria, uh, there are a number of places where these demons lurk. And I think that's kind of interesting because there's a lot of talk as to where exactly demons live. I mean, currently we consider them just living around terrible hot spots, you know, in buildings and stuff, places of death and war, uh, famine, et cetera, et cetera. Hospitals are probably one of the big places that people say these dark entities live because of all the trauma that has been there. Especially the run uh, down ones. Right, absolutely. Now, according to Morris Jastro, these demons and both Babylonian and Assyrian culture lurked in remote or hidden places like graves, mountaintops, and in the shadows of ruins. Uh, they would go out at night, which makes sense to much of the lore that we have, uh, and enter homes through holes and crevices to torture their victims. Uh, they were responsible for anything bad that happened from destructive winds to pestilent fevers and disease to headaches, petty quarrels, hatred, and jealousy, which is really interesting because this is pretty common, a pretty common belief throughout many cultures who believe in demonic entities. Uh, in fact, I know we, you and I both know Christians who believe that demons are specifically uh, to blame for disease mm-hmm. and illness and things like that. Um, so I just thought it was really interesting because a lot of this stuff really, I mean, again, Babylon, uh, Babylon and Assyria really predate most of the religions uh, and cultures out there. Right. Yeah. Well, and that that was my point with showing that they're in the Bible, because even though they are in the Bible, it does predate the Bible because of um, we, we do write about it, but we're writing about that history, not it was happening during a certain time. It was just we were recounting those those tales. Right. So something that uh I found kind of fascinating with doing the research for this was, I mean, obviously everybody knows the angel means messenger from the Greek word angelos, as well as the Hebrew word malak. But going through the research, um, demon comes from the Greek word daemon, which means supernatural being or spirit. Never was really intended as being evil or malevolent, though there were commonly uh, associated with the evil and malevolent spirits, it did mean both at one time. Now, does that mean that that was the same interpretation in the Bible? Um, you would probably know better than I <laughs> where we got demon in the Bible compared to the Greek daemon. Compared to the Greek daemon? Yeah. Uh, well, I mean... Demon isn't the, the term demon wasn't used until the New Testament was written. Okay. The New Testament isn't written in Hebrew; it's written in Aramaic and Greek, which means they likely used the Greek word daemon for their term demon. Okay. Uh, in the Old Testament, it was the Old Testament was completely written in Hebrew, and when you talk about what could be demonic entities, they were often referred to just evil spirits or, uh, you know an angel of the Lord of some sort or, you know, something, something that would um, definitely describe a dark entity just using a different term other than demon. Okay. So some of the other religions that have used 
Angels and Demons. Again, I had mentioned earlier that um, Hindu Hinduism and Buddhism go into it a little bit. Uh, Hinduism actually has the Ahuras, which were the good lords or gods, and the Ashuras, which were the evil lords or uh, demons, if you will. Um, eventually, that goes into Christianity as well. You know, we we have been talking about how it's mentioned in the Bible. Um, some of the stuff that I had come across has a lot to do with the Hebrew text um, because a lot of the names that we hear about angels aren't necessarily in the Bible. And Eric, I wanted to give it over to you to tell us what angels are actually mentioned in the Bible compared to, you know, what we hear from other texts. Yeah. So uh, technically speaking, there are only three. Well, I, I can't say technically because, um, <laughs> I could say technically two angels are definitely, definitively mentioned in the Bible. The third one is kind of up to, for debate. That's why I say technically. Okay. Uh, but the two main angels that are mentioned in the Bible are Michael and Gabriel. Both of them are mentioned in the New Testament. Uh, Michael in particular is mentioned twice, uh, I believe only twice, and then Gabriel is mentioned a couple times throughout the Gospels. The other angel would be Lucifer. Now, the name Lucifer is only mentioned once in the book of Isaiah, um, and it is just strongly believed that the term Lucifer, which means morning star, uh, is representative of the devil himself because we see that Isaiah makes a, uh, speaks a prophecy stating, How you are fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning. How you are cut down to the ground, you who weakened the nations. Now, in this particular passage, it is believed that it's not exactly a, 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 a description of the devil himself, but instead is a description of a wicked king who often was, a, who was a tyrant who often tortured a number of different nations and weakened them. Um, again, with much of what the Bible has in it, there could be a couple of different, um, Sides the story, you know, it could be a representation of a human being, but also a representation of some spiritual entity, in this case, the devil. So, so it's interesting that you know we we hear the name Lucifer, but then through the rest of the Bible, it's Satan, right? Right, it's Satan or devil or serpent. Okay, is probably serpent's probably one of the big ones used. So it's interesting that. Um, Lucifer is only mentioned once, but most most Christians would say there are three angels mentioned, Lucifer, Michael, and Gabriel in the Bible. Um, right. Some of the other names that <clears throat> we've come across uh, over time from different texts is Raphael, Uriel, Metatron. We see throughout some of the other texts, such as the Apocrypha and the Cabal, that uh, these names come, come forth. Now, Eric, I can ask you this, even though we'll, we'll kind of get our opinions at the very end. Um, why do you feel that Christians today are using these other names, even though they're not even mentioned in the Bible? 
Yeah, so, you know, a lot of Christians believe that, uh, I shouldn't say believe because some of these books were part of the Bible at one point. Um, they, they tend to follow the Apocrypha, believing them to be uh, an inspired word of God. Uh, the name Raphael, Metatron, uh, and I believe Uriel were all mentioned in the Book of Enoch, which we know many Christians read and believe wholeheartedly. The problem is, based on the history of those books, they're also uh, falsely informative. Uh, basically meaning even though some things are true, there are other documentation within the books that are false, um, most particularly historical things such as the name of cities or kings, uh, the people that they mention who never existed in history whatsoever, or at least have yet to be found and hence can be considered not real until the day they have the evidence to support it. Uh, this is the reason why the Hebrews eventually ended up cutting those books out of the Bible. Um and they turn into the Apocrypha because a lot of them are just simply stories or uh, poetic books of, you know, fantasy, basically. Um, but nonetheless, people like to refer to these books because they think they have some type of significant uh, historical value, which they do. They have historical value, but they don't have the inspired word. They don't have a spiritual value. Now, the book of Jasher is mentioned in the book of Joshua, chapter 10, verses 12 and 13, and is also mentioned again in 2 Samuel, chapter 1, verse 18 to 27. Now, what's interesting about these books is that even though they're mentioned within the Bible, it doesn't necessarily mean that they're historically accurate or important to the Bible. Uh, in this case, people think, okay, so Joshua says uh, such and such, if you don't believe me, look in the book of Jasher. So mm. boom, it must be an accurate and trustworthy book. But that's not true because there are many books that we have that can have significant uh, truth to them, which still has plenty of fictional stuff in it uh, and can be misleading. So the one final thing I wanted to touch base on before we go to break is that there is mention of God and the devil in Islam. They call their mm -hmm. God Allah, and the devil is called Iblis. Um, and they also mention angels and demons, but they also mention the um, um, the jinn as well. And the jinn are completely separate entities from the angels and demons. Um, one thing that I found fascinating about doing the research for this is that Islam in particular, uh, there were other cases like, uh, Buddhism and Hinduism where there's, there's more entities other than the angels and the demons and the gods and whatever you'd call them, demons, devils. Do you think that somewhere down the road, the, the jinn were some type of angel and demon, or do you think that it was like, something interpreted where they were seeing these other entities and, and they didn't know what they were. Um, I mean, in my personal opinion, the jinn is basically one of the demonic entities or even angelic entities. Uh, kind of like part I, of the hierarchy. Kind of, the, kind of like the hierarchy. I would consider them demonic entities because we would see both, well, mostly in the pre-Islamic Arabia, uh, these 
entities would often inspire soothsayers and poets, uh, teach people ma- magic and dark arts and things like that. Um, but then what's interesting is that when the, when Islam comes in and the theology begins to change, we start to see these entities as something more than just uh, humans. Because at one point, it was believed that the jinn were actually people, one of the creations of God, who unfortunately didn't feel like they fit in with humanity for one reason or the other. And so God separated them. Uh, but according to Islamic theology, it was an invisible entity created by God out of a mixture of fire or smokeless fire, which roamed the earth before Adam was created. Uh, these entities were believed to resemble humans in regards to the need of eating and drinking uh, and, of course, eventually dying as well. Uh, but they were also subject to judgment just as humanity eventually was subject to judgment uh, and were either condemned to either heaven or hell according to their deeds. But of course, they were much faster and stronger than demons, which kind of more or less, if you ask, or I mean, sorry, faster or stronger than humans, which if you ask me, kind of sounds similar to the Nephilim in Genesis chapter six. Now, I'm not saying by any means that the jinn are the Nephilim nor vice versa. And in fact, I don't believe that there is any reason to believe that there were some other type of creature, uh, human like creature on earth before Adam, uh, considering that the, uh, Hebrew scriptures have no reference to it whatsoever, nor is there any true reference in them in the uh, the Apocrypha, as far as I know. But again, these are two very different religions, despite what many people believe. You know, there's a lot of people in, around the world who think that all religions are coexistent and at some point meet in the middle, that they're all the same God, et cetera, et cetera. But it's very clear that when you study these religions, they're all vastly different. And the Hebrew scriptures in particular being the most different from any other biblical or sacred source out there. The one thing that I saw in doing this research is uh, in uh, Zoroastrianism, which was a part of Persian belief, was this being called Mithra, who was supposedly an angelic figure. Uh, who was an angelic mediator between heaven and earth and judge and preserver of the created world. And to me, that sounds more like what angels would be, would be between man and God in, in the Christian belief. Anyways, mm-hmm. um, what <laughs> it, it's just kind of interesting to see the different mythologies and what the different beliefs were. Um, I, I was so fascinated to do this research because as you had said, there, there are people that believe that there's only one God and religions are just man's way of trying to, to understand him and worship him. Um, but it was just so fascinating to see the different stuff. Um, we had talked a little bit about hierarchy when we were talking about the jinn. So folks in a future episode of this series, we are going to start breaking down the hierarchy a little bit. Um, but I think that's a good time to take our break. You've been listening to Paratruth radio right here on paratruthradio.com. We will be right back right after this. Hello, and welcome to novel conversations, a podcast about the world's greatest stories. I'm your host, Frank Lavallo, 
And for each episode of Novel Conversations, I talk to two readers about one book. And together, we summarize the story for you. We introduce you to the characters, we tell you what happens to them, and we read from the book along the way. So if you love hearing a good story, you're in the right place. Our ninth season is coming this fall. Tune in to hear from some of the all-time great authors, Charles Dickens, Jules Verne, F. Scott Fitzgerald, and more. Subscribe to Novel Conversations wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey, Parafans. Do I have a deal for you? The people over at Loot Crate are giving our listeners a 10% savings on any new subscription at LootCrate.com. Loot Crate is this awesome monthly mystery smorgasbord of a package that you get stuffed with different things from different genres, such as Zelda, Fallout, Harry Potter, and so many more. So to get your 10% savings, make sure you go to TryLootCrate.com forward slash Paratruth. Again, that's TryLootCrate.com forward slash Paratruth and enter Bridge 10 to get 10% savings on any new subscription. Welcome back to Paratruth Radio. My name is Eric. And I'm Justin. And we have been talking about the roughly (laughs) different belief systems throughout the world regarding angels and demons. We have traveled the numerous cultures uh, discussing the Babylonian and Assyrian demonology, also talking about different different entities within both the Israeli and Hebrew culture and of course leading up to the Islamic and Aramaic culture or Arabian Aramaic Arabian oh gosh Arabian culture. Uh what's interesting is that there are many similarities between all of these entities, but there are also vast differences as we've seen. And of course we also learned today that there are a number of contradictory uh uh Theories and theologies between some of these entities as well. Um, but you know, we, we are here in the second half and usually in the second half of our show, we like to just kind of step back and give our own thoughts on the things that we've shared today and the things that we've learned throughout our research. And so Justin, I want to pass it over to you because this is a lot to take in and we have a whole lot more to get into, you know, don't worry, folks. We're going to be getting way deep into this stuff over the next several weeks. You're going to enjoy it. Um, but based on what we've seen today, what are your thoughts in regards to the history of demonic and angelic lore? Um, it is interesting to see that these particular beings transcend multiple cultures and religions. Now, that to me, validates that these creatures or entities, whatever you want to call them, there must be something to what these things are. Because in most of the uh, cultures and religions that I've seen, angels are on the good side, demons are on the bad side. As I had stated earlier, the only thing that states something different is the Greek terminology daemon, meaning uh, spiritual being, or uh, spirit, basically. It doesn't break it down into uh, good and evil. It was just saying there's a spiritual entity here, pretty much. Um, and that's kind of where we get the word demon from. But it, I found it like super interesting that 
there are more cultures and religions other than Christianity that uh, find find these these beings in our our world today, and even you know even in the past as well. Um, and of course, you know, obviously Judaism, which is where Christianity kind of came from. Uh, I would always assume that there there was some type of link there as well, but I didn't know like doing the research that it went to Hinduism, B- Buddhism, uh, Zoroastrianism. I did know a little bit about the Islamic faith and that they were there, but um, it was just super fascinating. How about you? Yeah, no, I completely agree. Really fascinating to see all these differences and similarities between each and every one of these entities that we had discussed today. Uh, but, you know, there is one thing that we didn't really discuss, and I think it's something that we should touch base on real quick, just to just to get your thoughts on this. There are, now, well, here, we've discussed ancient religions. That's right. what we've been doing this whole first half of the show. But what about modern religions? Now, a lot of people wouldn't consider this a religion, but I think it's safe to say that it is indeed a religion because there are other belief systems out there in regards to angels, demons, and even gods. And one in particular, which we've mentioned before in past seasons of Paratruth Radio, is that of the ancient alien conspiracists. Now, many of these people believe that according to a number of Sumerian writings and Egyptian hieroglyphs and things like that, that Aliens, not angels or demons or some type of spiritual being, but physical, physical formed aliens would travel to Earth in their spaceships and would do pretty much the same thing that these other entities were doing throughout ancient times that we've talked about. What are your thoughts in regards to the belief that there may be aliens instead of spiritual entities that were traveling back and forth to Earth in the past? And how does that link to history today? Um, I believe it's a possibility. Uh, unfortunately, any technology that we would have been given or they may have left here, uh, for example, if they came and had stayed and were basically worshipped as gods, so to speak, and they had their UFOs or whatever you want to call them, flying devices, we we would have come across something by now. Now, you know, there have been some that would argue and say that due to different catastrophes, i.e. the flood, volcanic eruptions, that sort of thing, would have eliminated that. Now, I... I can't say definitively that I believe that aliens came to us in our, our ancient past. Is it possible? Yes. Because you hear tales such as Atlantis, um, Lemuria, there's a couple of other cultures that supposedly had advanced technology similar to our own. But at the same time, I've been under the belief that because of those technologies and, and um, the way that people were trying to use them, whoever you want to call it, God, the universe, basically stomped it out because we were ready to annihilate ourselves because of these technologies. 
Again, does that mean aliens were the responsibility of it? I'm not 100% sure. It's possible, but in my belief... See, I, and this is where it gets kind of <laughs> weird, because I feel that it, if you've ever seen Star Trek, I feel that aliens would not interfere with a species who is not at least close to the same technology as their own, meaning they they would wait till we were more advanced and more intellectually stable, if you will, to handle those technologies. What about you? No, I I also agree. I think, I mean, personally, I find the whole ancient alien belief system to be kind of out there. But then again, I can understand why they believe that people like me who believe in God and who believe in angels and demons are also out there. Right. Uh, you know, it, it's what's, and I think that comes down to what you've witnessed compared to what you've studied. Now, what I noticed is with a lot of ancient alien theorists and conspiracy, uh, folk, a lot of their belief system comes based on secondhand accounts or research that they've done through a number of different governmental sources or uh, hand-me-down stories, things like that, you know. Um, my belief system not only comes from an ancient text, which has been around for thousands of years, one that has survived thousands of years of war, people trying to destroy the book, and yet it still somehow continues to be the number one highest grossing book of all time, the Holy Bible. Um, but I've also witnessed things as well, you know, a number of different miracles, answers to prayers, uh, things that just can't be explained rationally and things that I cannot explain to people. Uh, it's something for myself and only myself. But, um, you know, I was watching an episode of Ancient Aliens the other day, uh, and I wasn't, I don't usually watch those shows. They just, they're, they're weird to me and they're annoying. Um, but I happened to flip to the channel at the exact moment that they were bringing up the story of Adam and Eve and whether or not humanity has a beginning by one or two people. Uh, you know, we have this belief of Darwinism. Mm-hmm. The idea of evolution. Um, and, and we've discussed this in the past, uh, evolution. Right. And of course, I think there are, there's evidence for a type of evolution, not quite Darwinism evolution, but evolution nonetheless. Uh, but they had mentioned how historically speaking, there appears to be, well, historically and scientifically, there appears to be a time that some, that humanity basically, that humanity had originated with one woman. Mm-hmm. In Africa, right, Northern Africa, which goes right along the biblical text, because as far as we know, and of course we don't know this for sure because it's not written in the Bible. There's no historical evidence. It's more so just looking through the history of the landscape and taking bits and parts of the scriptures and piecing them together to find the answer. Uh, as far as we know and believe. The Garden of Eden was probably somewhere in northern Africa. And it's interesting to me, ancient alien conspiracists also believe now, based on science, that man did originate from one woman. Which goes right along with the whole Adam and Eve story, which is really, personally for me, only strengthens my own faith. And what the scriptures tell us. Uh, but nonetheless, I was watching this show and they were talking about Adam and Eve. And the one guy 
all hyped up on his belief system of aliens, says, you know, it's really interesting because based on the evidence of this one woman, she wasn't created by a god. It was aliens. And I'm like, I understand, like, your viewpoint. I understand where you're coming from. But what drives me crazy is that they're so quick to cut down people who believe in God and yet their theory is just uh, as unbelievable, if not more unbelievable, than that of what the scriptures teach us. Because there is still no evidence of alien extraterrestrial life or anything like that. Well, yeah, but <laughs> at the same time, regardless of what you're saying, whether it's God or aliens, how can you say one or the other but down-talk what the other is saying? Because whether what? it was God or aliens... We're both saying somewhere we were created other than evolution, basically. We, we were. Well, you know, I was talking to Jesse, Mar- Jesse Marcel Jr. several years ago, and he had mentioned something really interesting. And the question that he basically asked is, what is an alien? You know, what is an alien? What is an extraterrestrial? Because technically speaking, the term extraterrestrial means something not of this world. Mm. Guess what? God is not of this world. He exists outside of it, mm. which means that technically speaking, God is an extraterrestrial. You've so heard it folks who- first. Eric of Paratruth Radio says that God is an extraterrestrial. We've just blown the cover right off of it. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. <laughs> so doing all of this research and finding that angels and demons, um, even God and the devil are in multiple religions. One thing that came to my mind, and I wanted to get your thoughts on it, is do you think that going outside of the religion part, do you think that humans are inherently good and evil and that we were trying to... uh define good and evil so we came up with entities that we could put those labels on do you think that entities are out there and are inherently good and evil and that's we we just came up with a label for them what are your thoughts i outside of religion outside of outside of my belief in everything right try to throw that all to the side it's just kind right. of hard to do well i mean but- for the one, for the one side, do you think it's us just trying to basically place blame on something else? And you can use your religion. I'm not saying you can't, but, okay. um, or do you feel that these entities really are out there? We were just putting these particular, uh, labels on them based on our understanding. No, I mean, I, I, I think the entities really do exist. And I say that more from a, a uh, personal witness type of thing, you know, actually experiencing these entities firsthand. Uh, again, I could tell a story all day long. doesn't mean people will believe it, <laughs> but I know what I witnessed. You know, I know what I've seen. You know what you witnessed right. and a number of different things that we've, you know, investigations and things that we've done in our past. But um, whether or not humans are inherently good or inherently evil, uh, that's a really good question. And I don't know, 
it's weird because I don't know if I was reading something or if I thought about it or had a dream or something about that exact same thing only days ago. Uh, whether or not they were people are inherently good or evil. And I'm like, I thought to myself when I, when I had read that, I was like, wow, how do you answer that? Because really you could take either side of it, you know? Um, based on my belief, through scripture and my research, man and women, men and women were designed by God to be good. However, we had something known as free will. We have something known as free mm-hmm. will, which is basically the choice to choose for ourselves. Whatever decision we make is a decision we're allowed to make. We're granted that uh, by God. Um, however, there are consequences for those decisions, at least for some of them. Um, what's interesting to me is that if you don't believe that Jesus Christ is the Lord and Savior based on the Christian belief system and based on the Holy Scriptures, then you will die and go to hell. Does that mean that good people can go to hell or only bad people? And the truth is, it depends on your definition of good and bad. Because I'd say yes, you can be a good person and still go to hell. You can also be a bad person and go to hell. Now, the punishment may not be as severe, but nonetheless, based on the scriptures of the New Testament, if you don't believe in Jesus Christ, you go to hell, period. And I know it's hard to understand or believe why an all-knowing, all-good God uh, would allow such a thing, but who are we to ask that question? Who are we to beg the question, you know? Um, so I think, well, this is this is a very <laughs> long, exaggerated answer, isn't it? Um, I don't think they're either inherently good nor evil, mankind. Uh, I think that even though we often place blame on other entities, at least those of us with a religious faith, uh, the truth of the matter is we as human beings have the ability to sin and be evil all our own without any outside force persuading us one way or the other, which would suggest that we do have the ability to be evil. But based on our free will, we also have the right to choose right mm. to do good to make the right decisions to help people, which can also, which also makes us good. So therefore I think the two kind of, kind of cancel each other out. And hence mankind is neither inherently good nor inherently evil. They're both based on their decisions that they make. Just what, yeah, just what they choose, right? Well, that was, that's kind of what I was saying because if you look at all the different cultures, like we were talking about with the different religions, both having angels and demons, it almost because of it bridging that gap between religion and between uh, different cultures, it kind of makes you feel like we're we're trying to come up with something to blame. If you if you get what I mean, um, when in reality we have that in ourselves to be either good or evil, depending on what we choose and. I, I agree 
with what you're saying now that there, we are both good and evil because we have the right to choose whether mm-hmm. we do good or evil. So I, that's why I was asking because in order to bridge that gap, we, you have to find out or figure out are these entities real or are we seeing different cultures and histories and mythologies throughout history and just seeing those different entities mentioned. So then we bring it into our own belief system and say, yeah, those, those good things are the angels and those bad things are the demons. Get what I'm saying? Right. All right, folks. So according to Islamic theology, there is a prophet or was a prophet by the name of Solomon who supposedly interacted with the jinn. Now, we know him as King Solomon in Christianity and in the historical Hebrew texts. Mm-hmm. In the Quran, he is also said to be an ancient king of ancient Israel who is gifted by God to talk to animals and to jinn. We know that based on we know that based on historical evidence and based on the scriptures that God had granted Solomon wisdom. Now, what's interesting about this is that there are a number of different beliefs that Solomon was able to conjure up demonic entities and angels in order to do his bidding. And that there is now a book, a grimoire of magic that has been written since the 16th century that contributes its entire work to King Solomon himself. But we're going to get to that and much more next week right here on Paratreath Radio. So until then, my name is Eric. And I'm Justin. Peace. Coming up on 5-Minute News, I'm Anthony Davis. You might think it's partisan because maybe it's critical of one side or the other, but it's not, it's just the truth. And I think that's also something that's kind of unusual for Americans listening to the radio or to podcasts because the news landscape in the States has been so partisan for so many decades. So 5-Minute News is verified, truthful, independent, unbiased, and essential world news daily.